How many know that it's not good to do things late at night? All right? I'm going to blame this either on turkey, travel, or something, but you have a handout. Do you have your handouts? Let me see. You got your handouts. There should be on both sides. If you don't have a handout, raise your hand. We got some more to get to you. Um, you know, I'm going to ask Abraham to forgive me this morning because this is actually a, a, a teaching I want to do today called the Prayer of Moses. But for some reason, late last night, Moses became Abraham, and I'm not quite sure why. Uh, and I spent hours getting this all done, chopped them up, got them out. And I got here this morning. I'm going over my notes. I'm like, are you kidding me? And I literally threw them away, and Chad talked me out of it. So I pulled them back out, and uh, I would blame it on my administrative assistant, but my administrative assistant looks just like me. So, uh, so that's what it is. So if you would take a pen, mark through Abraham, write in there Moses, and we'll actually be in the right teaching. And the reason we did this is I want today uh, to really set us up for December. You know, December, a lot of people celebrate Advent. There, there's a lot of anticipation about Christmas. There's a lot about preparation so that our hearts be ready to receive the gift God has given us. And, and when I was praying over what to do in that, because we're going to start a series next week of how do we worship God through Christmas. And as I was thinking about that, there was a point of preparation we needed to do, and that is this, to focus this week on on our prayer, to focus on how we approach God as, as, as we pray and we communicate with our God. You know, one of the jobs I take very seriously about being a, a shepherd or under-shepherd is this. I have to lead us into, into green pastures in different seasons. I have to be aware of what's going on in us to be able to say, all right, this is where we need to go. And, and the Holy Spirit directs me in that. And I really believe this morning, this teaching, and it's going to be a teaching. I feel like I'm doing a little Wednesday night Bible study here, and it's going to be fun. I, I really believe this teaching is going to help us prepare and receive and enter into a Christmas like we've never had before. Because how many know when, when you pray and when you seek God's face and when you communicate with God, you can't help but grow closer to him and you can't help but be a witness and a love to others. So this morning, I want to help us by focusing on, on prayer. So this is a, a model prayer that I want to teach you today that has been helping me for a good while. And our, our theme verse is found in Ephesians 6, verse 18. And it says this, it says, and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. You know, when you look at that scripture, there's a few things that just jump out that you need to take hold of. And that is the first thing is he says we are to pray at all times in all ways. You know, the Bible says we are to pray without ceasing. And that's a whole different teaching of how we do that. But he says there's this understanding that we are in this communication with God, not for five minutes a day, not for 30 minutes a day, not once a week. We are to be in communication with God always, and to do that, he says, we do that in, in many ways. In fact, on the, I like what it says on all occasions. We taught uh, several years ago a series called Pray First, and what, what great wisdom that is for all of us. That before we send that text, we should what? We should pray first, right? And, and if you ever send an email you wish you hadn't sent, you should pray first before you hit send, right? For some of us, we should not open our mouths up without praying first because, again, what we do in prayer is we align ourselves with the nature, the character, the love, and the will of our Father. You know, the, all kinds of prayers and requests show us that God, just like we are, we communicate with God in different ways. How many know you're sitting by somebody with a little different personality than you have this morning, right? Some of us have some really different, crazy personalities, but it's they're different and we approach God in different ways. And through the Bible, the Lord gives us these models, these examples 
of how to build a prayer life, how to, how to spend time with God, how to, how to really get in tune with what God is wanting to say into our lives. For most people, the most famous prayer model is the Lord's Prayer, right? We, we recite that before we're even Christians because that's the thing to do in the South. We have no clue what it means, but we do it anyway. And we think that that's how God says we are to pray. So we come and we say, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And we go through all that semantics. When all along, that was not a prayer for us to just rotely speak. It was a model to show, here's how you approach God. Here's how you work in your prayer life. And you know, it's a good model, and I hope for some of you it's a model that helps you grow in the Lord, but for me, it was something I always got tripped up on. I'm, most of my walk with God is joyful, and I'll, I'll say that as a confession and as a, as, as a praise. Most of my walk with God is joyful. But when it comes to prayer, for, how many know that sometimes prayer is a discipline, right? Sometimes reading your Bible is a discipline. I have no problem in my life. I have, I have walked with God for a long time, and I, I don't struggle with praying without ceasing. All through the day, I, I'm just praying. I'm asking God to bless you. I'm, I'm talking to God as I go along. But I've always struggled with that set-aside time of prayer that you just, God, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take an hour or 30 minutes, whatever that is, and I struggle with that, but I, I maintain my discipline. And about a year or so ago, I came across this model I want to teach you today that just made that time for me so much more alive, and I hope it'll do so for you today. And I, I call it not the prayer of Abraham, but the prayer of Moses. And uh, how many know that Moses was a mighty figure in the Word of God, right? He was the deliverer. He was that, 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 that hero that we read about that, that led the children of Israel out of Egypt. He was, a, he was a man just like a human, just like the rest of us. He was fallible. He was failed. But you know what? God used him to do something mighty. So he, he was raised up to be a deliverer, and he, he led four million Hebrew children out of Egypt through the wilderness to go to the promised land. 40 years he was leading them. 40 years he was guiding them to the place God had promised them. And the Lord had said when they get to the promised land, he wanted them to do something that was very important. That was, he wanted them to create a temple, a place where they would come and worship God, where they would come and, and get into his presence. Because in the Old Testament, God dwelt in buildings, okay? In the Old Testament, we can read about the temple or the tabernacle. But today, God doesn't dwell in, te in temples or tabernacles. He dwells in you and I. And aren't we thankful for that? Because we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. That's why it's so important that these bodies we take care of and say, God, fill us to overflowing. We were singing those songs this morning. I was like, God, just fill us, fill these temples with your spirit, God. Because in the Old Testament, it was different. In the Old Testament, God wrote his, wrote his law on tablets and he dwelt in temples. But in today, he writes his law on our hearts and he dwells in us. So God wanted them to build this temple, but because of their journey of 40 years, he instructed them to do something along the way. And that was to create this temporary meeting space, this thing that, that we know as the tabernacle. The best way I can describe it, think portable church. Think set up and tear down. That'll make some of you break out in hives, I know. Uh, we did it for nine years. They did it for 40. Think about that. But it was a temporary place. It was a place for them to come and for Moses and his leaders to come and be in the presence of God. In Exodus 25, verse 8, it'll be on the screen. Here's the command. It says, then have them make a sanctuary for me. There's a reason we don't call this the sanctuary here. Because the sanctuary at Hope is here. It's in us. We don't want to call this building holy. We are holy, amen? And God comes and dwells in us. But he said, make a sanctuary for me and I will dwell among them. So God's tangible presence was going to be there. And make this tabernacle and all its furnishings exactly like the pattern I will show you. And it's the pattern I want us to see today. 
It's the pattern's the reason I gave you the handout, because there's seven things that he said, this is how you do this. And there are seven things that show us how we come and get into the presence of God and spend time with him. One of the things we have to understand when we study the Bible is this. The Bible is not written about us. We are not the main character in the Bible. Do you know that? The main character in the Bible is Jesus. And from beginning to end, you will see Jesus in the Bible if you will start looking for that. In fact, what I'm going to teach you today, the, the tabernacle, if you, if you look at it with spiritual eyes and understanding, what you'll recognize is the tabernacle represented Christ. It represented everything he did for us to bring us into the presence of a holy God. So this pattern is going to serve as that, that, that pattern of prayer for us today. In fact, in Exodus 33:11, 11, it said the Lord would speak to Moses face to face. You know, I got to believe we would pray more if we really believe God met with us face to face and listened and spoke with us and heard our hearts and spoke with us as one speaks to a friend. And then Moses returned to camp, but his young age, Josh, was son of none, did not leave the tent. There is something about staying and lingering in God's presence. You know, guys, I know for some you're going to say, Pastor, don't go all Old Testament on us. This is Old Testament. It has nothing to do with us. I hear this too much. We want to live in the, in the New Testament. Can I tell you something? Jesus said in Matthew 5, 17, hear this clearly. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. And when we see the law in the Old Testament, we've got to re remember that today the law is still here. We're not, we're not living under the law, but the meaning of the law is still brought out through us. Because it was the law that brought them to the place of understanding who God was. So what I want to do this morning is uncomplicate the issue of prayer and make it simple in our lives as we look at this tabernacle and see how every part relates to our prayer. Here is a picture of the tabernacle. I love this. I love little toy animals in there. Isn't that awesome? Uh, that was the best picture I could find. The tabernacle was something they literally had to build to God's specifications. And whenever they moved, when the cloud moved, they would, they would tear it down. They'd set it back up. But everything in the tabernacle had a purpose. Every part of it had something that speaks to us of how we come into God's presence. If you notice on the outside, the front gate, they entered what was called the outer courts. In the outer courts, there was something very important that you did when you came to the outer courts. And it's what we do, I, I hope, better and better all the time. And that is, it was a place where you give God thanks. I will enter his courts, Psalm 104. I will enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. Here's what the outer courts say to us about our prayer. Before you give God his to-do list of everything you think he ought to do in your life, why don't you just stop and thank him for what he's already done, amen? That's coming in. That's coming in with a humble heart. That's coming in and saying, God, I'm going to thank you for everything you've done for me. Can I tell you this morning, gratitude, listen carefully, gratitude turns what you have into enough. Gratitude turns what you have into enough. So when I come into the outer courts, I'm praying, Lord, if you never do anything for me ever again in my life, God, you've already done enough. Lord, you saved me by your grace. You filled me with your Holy Spirit. God, you healed me when I was sick, God. Lord, you blessed me with life. You give me breath, God. Everything you've done for me, God, I will stop and give you thanks. I will not ask you for one more thing until I thank you. And I will spend time worshiping and praising your name. You see, we need to spend time regularly thinking about all the blessings God has done in our lives. We are, we are so in-the-moment people. We are so, well, what has he done for me lately? You know what? He wasn't a God 
that just did one thing and forgot about us. But the one thing he did, we can stop right there and say, Lord, for all eternity we will praise you for the blood of our Savior Jesus Christ and for the power of the resurrection that gives me life. You see, if you want to come into prayer, you need to come in with thanksgiving in our hearts. You, listen, you can write down your thanksgivings. You can make up a song and sing a new song to the Lord. He's blessed by that. Or you can just spend quiet moments reflecting on your gratitude and your praise toward God. But however you come in, we've got to come in with thanksgiving in our hearts our father which art in heaven hallowed be your name same thing lord we come to praise you we come to worship you once they came past the outer courts they came to something to be very disturbing for a lot of people it's called the brazen altar we have a little picture and we're gonna have a little fun picture today there's the brazen altar it looks like a big barbecue pit okay and as they came through the outer courts the first thing they would see and smell is animals burning the sacrifices the priests were making toward god the sacrifices for the sin of the people, the sacrifices that were, were being laid out as a worship and honor to God because blood had to be spilled because of the sins that had been committed. And it reminds us since the fall of man, we enter into the presence of God through the death of something and someone, Jesus Christ. Because you see, the brazen altar points to the cross. It points to the cross of Jesus Christ. The only reason I have a right to even approach my heavenly Father is because of what Jesus Christ did for me on the cross. And now the Bible says I can come to him boldly. I can come into his presence boldly. I don't grovel like some, some uh, unworthy person. I come into my Father's presence and say, Lord, I'm coming to you because of what Jesus did for me on the cross. And I celebrate that in praise and in worship. Because it's in that moment that we start giving God praise for the cross that we're reminded of what Jesus did for us. I mean, think about it. In Romans chapter 5, verse 6, the Scripture says, You see, just at the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. I'm not going to ask you to tell your neighbor this, but it's true. He's speaking about you right now. He's speaking about me. At just the right time, Christ saved us. At just the right time, he died for us. And in his death, we see his blessing flowing into our lives. There were four wounds that Jesus received on the cross that speak to us when we come in prayer. If you think about it, he was beaten, right? He was, uh, he was crowned with thorns. He, was, he had nails in his hands and feet driven in, and he had a spear that punctured his heart. And all of those things speak prophetically about what God did for us through the death of Jesus Christ. And there are things we give him thanks for. In fact, in Isaiah, in Isaiah chapter 53, you'll see all these worked out. When the prophet was, before Jesus ever came to the cross, was prophesying what was going to take place, he said, but he was pierced for our transgressions you know transgression is when we've gone too far it's when we've crossed the line and he was pierced he had nails driven into his hands and his feet because how do we so often cross the line with our hands and with our feet we go where we shouldn't go we do what we shouldn't do but he was pierced for our transgressions he was crushed for our iniquities he had the spear thrust into his heart crushing why because there is evil in our hearts outside of christ he was, he was crushed for our attitudes. He was crushed for our lust and our greed, for our passions outside of God. He was, he was crushed for our pride. He was crushed for who we are without Jesus. And then the punishment that brought us peace was on him when he had the crown of thorns put on his head. I like to put it this way. He had a pain in his brain so we can have peace in ours. He had a pain in his brain, so he could have peace in ours. I know you guys that are blessed with hair, God bless you. You have never hurt till you cut your head like with a razor. 
when you have no hair. You bleed like a stuck pig. I'm telling you, there is nothing up here when you get hurt. And when Jesus was crushed with those crown of thorns into his brain, you cannot imagine. You, you suffer from migraines, migraines on multiple stairs. It is just beyond our imagination what he felt. But he brought us peace through his pain so that now we can overcome anxiety. Now we can overcome worry. Now we can overcome fear. Why? Because he was, his punishment brought us peace. And by his wounds, we are what? Help me out. Healed. Healed. Yes. By his wounds, he was beaten for our, for our need. He was wounded that way. By his stripes, the old King James says, that in every place in our lives, physical, mental, spiritual relationship, he wants us to be whole. He wants our minds to be whole. He wants our hearts to be whole. He wants our bodies to be whole. Why? Because of what Jesus did for us. So don't bring him your list. Don't come and say, God, here I am. I got 20 things to ask you until you stop and you begin to praise him and, and thank him for who, he's done, who he is and what he's done and spend time worshiping God for the, what he did on the cross. And then, then it leads us to that third place. It's a little interesting little piece of furniture called the laver. The laver. It, uh, it's where we offer every part of our lives to God. There's a little picture of the laver up here. It's a, it is a big bowl that was filled with this water. But it was interesting, the bowl was made with mirrors all on the inside. So when they came up to, to wash themselves, they were, their reflection was right there. They were seeing themselves as they are. They, they were understanding, this is who I am. And it reminds us when we come into prayer, when we come to seek God, when I come to that place where I want to know Him, then I come and I offer Him everything about me. I say, Lord, I offer you my life today. I offer you my body today. God, everything that makes me who I am, Lord, I, I offer you because you've done so much for me, God. I just come to bring that into your presence. It's at the labor that we come and we say, God, I do this physically. I'm like, God, let my brain today, God, think upon things that are true, that are right, that are pure, that are honorable, God, that are pleasing, that, that give you glory and honor. I, I go down the list. I'm like, God, let these eyes, God, let them see things the way you see them, God. God, let me not look on things that are, that are not right, God, but let me see life the way you see it. I say, God, help my ears to be tuned into what matters to you, God. Yeah, this might make you turn off some talk radio right there, isn't it? Lord, let my ears be tuned into, Lord, what pleases you, God, and what you want me to hear. Then I come down to the worst place. I'm like, God, help my mouth. Oh, God, help us. Help my mouth to not say everything I think. Help my mouth to say only that which is building up and encouraging and blesses others. Listen, I understand something. When you're good at something, how many know Satan can make something evil out of that? I, I know that God has gifted me to communicate, and that's probably what I battle the most, because, man, I can be as sarcastic and, and just mean with my mouth as anybody else. And I have to go, God, take this mouth, God. Lord, let it become a pleasing instrument to you. God, my hands. God, let them bring hope and healing. Let my feet, God, let them go where you've ordered, Father. Because, Lord, today, God, you said the steps of the righteous are ordered by God. So, God, don't let me wander through this day and get to the end of it and go, what was that about? But, Lord, let me walk in the presence of God that I may touch and bless others. Say, Pastor, where is that in the New Testament? Glad you asked. Romans 12, verse 1. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as what? We're laying it out. There it is, God. Take it, every part of me. As living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. Why? Because this is your spiritual act of worship. Have you caught on yet? We have come in with thanksgiving. We've come in remembering the cross. And now we're worshiping God by saying, God, everything I am is yours. God, I was bought with a price. 
by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Lord, I don't own anything, and I especially don't own me, so I can't tell you, God, I'm going to do what I want. I say, God, I'm going to walk in the will you have for me today, God. Why? Because you've done it all for me. And then he brings us to the next place, and I, I get excited by this. And that's the candlestick. You're like, Mike, you're weird. You get excited about candlesticks. Why? Because it's there that we invite the work of the Holy Spirit into our lives. Because everything, you, you've seen this candlestick. If you've if you studied the Word of God or even history, and, and it represents many things. I mean, obviously fire, right? But fire in the Old Testament represented power. It, it represented the anointing of God. It represented purity. It represents gifts. It represents the Holy Spirit. And when I come to this place and I've, I've prayed over myself, now I'm saying, Lord, Light me on fire. Lord, let your Holy Spirit anointing come alive in me today. Lord, Lord, let the gifts you've placed in me, God, Lord, be evident today, God. Lord, stir me up that, Lord, you may bring glory to your name through me. I think it's one of the most important prayers we pray. Because you can live a totally dormant life just getting through life on your talents. And you know what? You might actually do some good for some people. Or you can live a supernatural life where the Holy Spirit takes what God has gifted you with and called you to and ignites it with His flame every day, and now your life can only be explained by God in you. That's the life He's called us to. So when we come, we're saying, God, Lord, light this fire in me. You know, for some, you may come and you say, but Pastor, my, my flame is flickering. I'm struggling. I've got good news for you. One of my favorite images of Jesus, it was a prophetic image. It, it, Matthew spoke about it, and you don't have to go through it. Matthew 12, 20. He said this about our Lord. He said, a bruised reed, he will not break. So in other words, when, you are, when you're hurting, and you're broken, and you're, you're feeling like you're just someone's falling down, and you're, just not, you're not accomplishing anything, he says, look, I'm going to come alongside of you, and I'm going to hold you up until you get strong again. But not only that, he said, a bruised reed, he will not break. A smoldering wick he will not snuff out. The enemy will tell you when your flames flicker and see you've done something wrong, God doesn't care about you. You just might be tired. You may be in a pattern of sin. You may be at a place of doubt. I don't know. But there are times that where our flames seem like they're only flickering. And then we will say, you just wait. God's going to go and blow it out. But no, what he does, he puts his hands on the other side and begins to blow the breath of the Holy Spirit on us. He begins, to, he begins to blow life back into us. He begins to bring that breath of life until our flame begins to grow. Why? Because God put purpose in us. He put gifts in us. He put calling in us. And He wants us to be ignited by His Holy Spirit because He wants to do greater things through us than we can even imagine. But it begins by saying, Lord, have your way. God, in me. Lord, help me in my business, God. It's, it's, it's a gift from you, God. Help me to honor you in that. Come on, if you're a student, Lord, help me to remember what I forgot to study last night, God, because I want to pass this class. No, it's, a, it's praying, God, help me in my relations. Make me a better father, a better husband, a better spouse, whatever that may be. Because you told us you'll do that. 2 Timothy, New Testament. I'm going to bring all this in the New Testament. 2 Timothy. Chapter 1, verse 6 says this, For this reason, I remind you to what? Fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For the Spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. And somebody ought to say, thank you, Lord, right there. We need it. We don't get by without it. 
But never forget this, and I want you to hear it clearly this morning. When you come to pray, and we come to, to be in that place where we're saying, God, I want to I be used by you. Remember, every single one of us has been called by God. I knew when I said that I'd get those blank looks. Well, you're called pastor. You're a pastor. No, we are all called. So you, you have the possibility of touching a lot more lives than I do. I'm called to do this. I get it. But I'm also called to be a witness when I'm out living my life outside of church. I'm also called to love my, my wife. And I'm also called all these things that the scripture tells us about ourselves. is true for all of us. And God has a unique purpose for you on this earth. And he wants to use the uniqueness of you to reveal the uniqueness of him to some people that don't know him. Because you're going to come and rub shoulders with people I'll never get to. An evangelist will never get to. A missionary will never get to. But if you see it as a calling, then every day you're saying, God, I'm not up for this. But Lord, let your Holy Spirit fill me to overflowing. Then I'll be up for this. So that's what the candle is. Then he brings us to a place I shouldn't talk about after Thanksgiving. And that's the table of showbread. Mm. So you walk in, you're praising God. You smell the smell of sacrifice. You go past that, you're washing in the, in the labor. And then all of a sudden you look on the side and there's this table with 12 freshly baked loaves of bread. Come on, where's the spun honey? I'm ready. The smell is overwhelming. And what it reminds us of, who was the bread of life? Jesus Christ. It's a symbol, again, saying, okay, you've come in, you've cleansed yourself, you're ready to come into God's presence. And what it speaks about is, when we come to the table of showbread, we begin to claim the promises of God over our lives. What Pastor Chad was speaking about this morning. Those promises aren't for your neighbor, they're for you. Oh, they are for them, but they're for you. And when we come to God in our prayer, we need to start listening to the word of God and speaking it over our lives. Jesus said it when he was tempted in Matthew 4. It is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. So when I come to this part in my prayer, I get my Bible out. I flip the U version if I got my phone near me. I get a hold of something like we give you every once in a while, like a handout of the 20 cans of success that tell you what all God will do in your life. And I begin to pray over the word and I begin to pray through the word. Can I tell you a secret about God's word? Put yourself in the middle of it. So when you're praying things like, like you know, well, we are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. No, you put your name right there. Say, Mike is more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. Why? Because it's the word of God that gives us life. It's the word of God that builds us up. Listen, we need to get the word of God in our lives. You're going to hear this a lot coming in 2019. Our number one goal God has given us 2019 is that we would all engage with and grow in our knowledge of God's word more and more. Why? Because in our culture, it's getting less and less. And it's time for the church to base their lives on the Word of God, not on culture, all right? We don't adapt. We, we let the Word of God speak into us, and, and it builds our lives. Listen, I get it. You know, I get it. Some of you are like, well, Pastor, I don't have time for the Word of God. Tell me you've got time for one verse, okay? Get, get, if you've got a, one verse is better than nothing, but can I tell you, you need more than that. You need the promises of God working in your lives. Why? Ephesians 6 tells us clearly in Ephesians 6 and kind of mashed up here, verses 10 through 18, it says this. Finally, be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so you can take a stand against the devil's schemes. Can I tell you, do not go outside without the armor on, all right? Do not go into your workday without the armor on because Satan, the devil, schemes are very real. But then he tells us a part of that armor is the sword of the Spirit. He says, take the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, and pray. 
This is how I fight my battles, huh? Yeah, worship's part of it, but the only reason worship's part of it is because the Word tells us to worship Him. It's the Word that's the sword of the Spirit. When we sing, when we worship God, when we praise, we're just doing things the Bible tells us to do. When we lift our hands, we're not doing spiritual calisthenics or trying to be charismatic for a show. We're doing what the Word of God says. Why? Because I want God to recognize I surrender everything to you, God. I am wholly yours. Guys, listen, the Word of God matters. We need to let it pray into our lives. We need to speak it over us. We need to let it come until everything is found in God's Word. So we've come into His place. We've worshipped. We've thanked Him. We've cleansed ourselves. We've offered ourselves. Now we're coming to God's Word. And you may not have a lot of time, but spend some time there. Find a way. Get into that rhythm. And then it brings us to the sixth thing. That's the altar of incense. Some of y'all really like the altar of incense because it's where we worship His name. And that's kind of what it looked like. You know, and it was a flame that was always going, but instead of the smell of, of animals, instead of the smell of sacrifice, there they burned incense to the Lord. I mean, it, just think Bed Bath & Beyond, way, way beyond, okay? I mean, just presence of God, the incense. We don't do that here, by the way, because that gives me headaches big time. So anyway, that's why we don't. But it's that incense that is going up to God, and it's, a, it's something that honors God. Can I tell you, <laughs> the incense to God is what we call our worship. The incense to God is what we call worship. You see, when we praise God, maybe you never knew this, two different things. Well, like we're doing praise and worship, two things. We praise God for what he has done. Do you understand that? That's praise. That's why when we're, worship, when we're singing together, when we're, when we're, we're praying, we, we, we start, God, this is what you've done. I thank you, I thank you, I thank you. But we enter into worship when we begin to praise God for who he is his nature, his name, the things that never change about him. You see, worship, and I don't want to ruin my series coming up starting next week, but worship is focused on the, the worth or the value or the treasure that is our God. It's the things about him that are immutable. It, it, they, they don't change. We don't increase or decrease. They're always the same. And when we come to worship, what we're doing is we're bringing up to him a reminder to ourselves of how great our God is. Psalm 95, verse 6 and 7 says this, Come, let us bow down in worship. When's the last time you hit a knee before God? I know it's tough with concrete floors. That's why I put a little carpet up here. But at your home, when do you hit your knees? Let us bow down and worship. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker, for he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture, the flock under his care. You see, when the altar of incense, when they come there, what they're doing is there's a place of humbling. There's a place of bowing. There's a place of kneeling. I love this phrase. I don't know where I got it from. I've shared it before. But a man on his face can never fall from that position. A person on their face can never fall from that position. Why? Because we're humble before God and we're speaking up to Him, worship for His value, for His worth, for His glory, because a person's worth is found in their name and He has a good name. Amen? Proverbs 18.10 The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run, into it, run to it and are what? Yeah. You think you ought to know the name of the Lord? You know He's more than just one name, God? Oh, this is where I get into it. I love this part of prayer. Lord, you are Jehovah Shalom. You are my peace, God. I don't understand. In fact, the word says it passes all understanding, so I guess I shouldn't understand it. But God, you bring peace in an amazing way. 
Lord, you're Jehovah Rapha, the Lord God that heals me. And God, today I need your healing touch. And I thank you that you made a way where there is no way. You are the way maker, right? Lord, I come to you because, Lord, you are Jehovah's Lord, you're my righteousness, God. I have no righteousness of my own. I have no reason to stand before you. But Jesus is my righteousness. And I come to you, Lord, as my God. And I begin to speak his names. I begin to speak his character. I say, Lord, I'm so thankful that you are my shepherd, God. I shall not want ever. Lord, you are Jehovah Jireh. How many knows what that means? He is my provider, amen? So when I start thinking there's lack, when I start thinking it's not going to happen, I remind myself, Lord, you own the cattle on a thousand hills. The earth, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Why should I think I would lack anything when, God, you own everything? And you said you'll provide all my need according to the riches in Christ Jesus. Come on. If you can't get pumped up in that part of prayer, you just need to go and learn the names of God. Because as you get into it, you start th recognizing things about him. That he is merciful. That he is, his grace is sufficient. That he is pure. That he's not a man that he should lie. That's enough to say amen right there. You're not playing games, God. When your word says this about you, I can bank on it. So we're moving toward this place. We're moving in our prayers. For most people, honestly, they want to get to the last stage without going to any others. Well, God, here I am, and I need you to come through. Bless Sally and my Aunt Martha. My dog's not doing good. My car's bad. We just get into this whole, it's like, it's like oh, I just got to believe God just shakes his head sometimes and says, don't you know, the lilies of the field are clothed better than you are. And they don't wake up wondering if they're going to be clothed or not. He said, you see the birds of the air? They're not going to the doctor to find out why they have so much stress. And they're not wondering where their next meal is going to come from because their heavenly father provides for them. And he goes, how much more valuable are you than the sparrows or the lilies? But yet our entire focus to God is, God, I need, I want, I need, I want, I need, I want. And God says, how many know I already you that i've already taken care of that i've already i've already gone before you but yet we want to jump there not thinking that we begin by saying god i just want to thank you lord for all you've done for me i'm not going to ask you another thing do i thank you for what you've done for me god i'm going to stand i'm going to look at the cross i'm going to say thank you for the cross thank you for the cross i want to preach easter on christmas Eve. i'm just i'm in the cross right now I'm telling you, everything we need is found in Him. Lord, I offer these parts of my body, God, in my flesh that is weak, God. When I'm weak, you're strong. So, God, I'm going to offer you everything. But, Lord, I need you to do this. I need you to ignite the, the flame of the Holy Spirit in me, God, because even on my best day, I fall way short. But, God, when you empower me, God, all things are possible. And then I come and I, I bow before you. I get into your presence. I eat upon your word, God. I let your word grow in me. And I begin to worship you for who you are. God, not just only for what you've done, but for who you are. Because I can trust in your name. And then finally, in doing so, then I come into the place of the Ark of the Covenant. Kind of looks like this. You know, Raiders of the Lost Ark actually got it pretty close. It's just that your face is not going to melt off when you get there, okay? So it's just, but that's what it looked like. Got the angels up top, right? And what the Ark of the Covenant is, is where we begin to intercede. Hear me quickly, hear me. We begin to intercede for others. 
Like, well, when do I get to pray about me? You have the whole time. Here I am, God, I'm all yours. It's everything you want. Lord, do what you're going to do. What we're saying is, God, I trust you. But when I come to the Ark of the Covenant, I come to the place of your presence, then, God, I'm going to go to work and I'm going to do some business because there are people in my life, God, you've called me to intercede for. And I do this. I come before God and I start with my family. I'm calling them by name. I'm listing them out. I'm, I'm laying it out there. I'm just saying, God, they're mine. You gave me, a, you gave me responsibility over them, and, and I thank you for them. But then I pray for my family that is sitting right here today, and that is my hope family. And I pray for your health. And I pray for your relationships. I pray for your finances. I pray for your destinies. I pray that God does everything he can through you that will just blow your mind. I pray for you. Why? Because he said to intercede for others. I pray for our government. You think we ought to do that? Whether you like them or not, God is not red or blue. God is God. And he is above all, in all, and through all. And we stop politicking and start praying, something might actually change. Because he said we ought to do that first. First Timothy 2, verse 1 says, I urge you then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and all those in authority. Why? That we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. I just want to live a peaceful life, God. So I'm going to pray for my mayor. I'm going to pray for my councilman. I'm going to pray for, I'm going to pray for our whatever they call themselves around here, commissioners. I'm going to pray for our Senate, our Congress. I'm going to pray for all of them. Why? Because I know something about men. They are fallible, they are frail, and sometimes they are stupid. And God, you need to do something through their lives. I was praying yesterday. I'm like, God, let every one of them, before they come into chambers this week, get on their knees before you and say, God, give us wisdom. Because your word says, God, you will give us wisdom when we ask. You'll give it so much, it'll overflow us, God, and you won't get upset for us asking. So we got to intercede. We intercede for our, our community. We intercede for our government. We, I intercede for the leadership of hope, our, our lead team, our ministers, our, our, our people that are just serving. And we, you know, we, we talked about it this year. We were going to do like a, hey, let's have a, let's have a gathering to celebrate everybody serving around here. And I was like, well, we might as well have a gathering with the whole church then, okay? Because it's all of us. And we pray and say, God, Lord, do something amazing in their lives. And I begin to pray for our community. Come on, church. I pray for Mallard Creek. Mallard Creek. Some people in Charlotte don't know where Mallard Creek is. Back when we started the church, I didn't know where Mallard Creek was. But now that I'm here, you know what I know about Mallard Creek? There's amazing people live in Mallard Creek. But there's also amazing need in Mallard Creek. And we pray, God, help us to meet that need. God, help us to know what to do. That's why there's Hope Street Food Pantry. God laid it on our hearts, and we feed over 500 people a month right now. Listen, here's the secret. We need to learn how to pray. The, the teaching today is not about learning the tabernacle. The tabernacle represents Christ. It's bringing us into the presence of God. It's not important that you can talk about lavers and, and bronze altars. What's important is you learn how to come into God's presence. You learn to come into his presence with thanksgiving in your heart. Into his courts with praise. To say this is the day the Lord has made. I'll rejoice and I'll be glad in it. Amen. So my hope and my prayer for you this week is this. We're about to enter in Christmas. I think it's one of the craziest times of the year. I just do. I think people lose all kind of sight about what if this life is even about during Christmas. I believe we get so overwhelmed that as Christians, if we're not careful, we get grumpy through Christmas. And yet, what should we be proclaiming? 
God has come among us. Emmanuel, God with us. There's no greater story to be told. But don't get caught up being Grinches. Spend time with God in prayer, and you just might enjoy this season. You just might tell somebody else about Jesus in the midst of it. Amen?